Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, what up? What up, listeners? And welcome to Rice, sharing the Asian perspective on sports, entertainment, and trending topics. With me here today, we've got Leonard Chan, Gina Siva, and Tim Wong. Say hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, okay, great. Um, so our main topic today is Michael Jordan's documentary on Netflix, The Last Dance. We covered it uh, last week, but obviously there's been new episodes, so we're going to jump more into that. But before we jump into that, we are going to talk about Asian Heritage Month. And let's get started with Leonard. Leonard, if you want to talk about your Asian heritage and what role it's played in your life up to this point. Well, uh, I'm Chinese and uh, I guess it's played some, I mean, I grew up in Western culture and uh, my friends always (laughs) made fun of me for being too white. And so, uh, but I did get to keep my job for a lot longer uh, than I should have (laughs) because everybody assumed I was good at math and I worked hard. (laughs) I was an engineer. That's, that's, uh, they they value those things. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And uh, how, how about you, Tim? Uh, well, I'm also, I am Chinese and I was born in Hong Kong. I came to, to Canada when I was eight in back in 94. So um, also I, I did have a moment where I was like considered way too white, you know, for my family who, you know, barely spoke any English at the time. So, um, but the, the heritage for me is always trying to explain to people that uh, I'm from Hong Kong um, and that, that, <laughs> that, that gets people going from time to time. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Like with uh, definitely living in Toronto now, I've run across more Chinese people from Hong Kong than I did growing up because I grew up in Winnipeg, and that was definitely more mainland Chinese. My mom is mainland Chinese, um, and my my dad's side of the family is from Laos and a little bit from Thai, but definitely uh, the Hong Kong Chinese are definitely quite different from the mainland Chinese, but I am, yeah. I am uh, learning, learning more about them too. Um, so our final guest today is Gina Siva, and um, we already talked about her Asian heritage, I think, two weeks ago, no, two, two episodes ago. So we'll forego that and just, so if you want to learn more about Gina, um, definitely go back a couple episodes. Um, now we're going to move on to our main topic of the day, which is Michael Jordan's The Last Dance and what it means to us. So let's just jump in first. Let's go to Gina and tell us what Michael Jordan has meant in your life as a public figure. Oh, and uh, and, bas- um, and basketball in general. Michael Jordan and basketball. 
Yeah, well, uh, I feel like everybody knows that my, with basketball, the NBA comes Michael Jordan. It just goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, so I was born in the 90s, uh, but still growing up as a kid in elementary school, just everybody constantly talked about Michael Jordan. Like it was just, that's that was all ball was to us. We didn't mm. even pay attention to the other players. <laughs> like We really <laughs> didn't know much about them when we were younger. It wasn't until you grow up and then you watch old clips and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, there's other people involved. It's not just Michael alone. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was just really cool and idol to look up to. Yeah, how about you, Tim? Uh, well, basketball, like, when I when I first came to Canada, it was, like, 94, so the Raptors were just coming out next year. So this was, like, a whole thing. And then, you know, there's a lot of camps that I, I went to with uh, in basketball. So basketball, like, was a huge thing, I think, so much more so for for immigrants as especially like people who came during like my time uh especially to toronto specifically because it really was like an insurgence of oh there's a new now there's an arena everybody's playing uh everybody you know didn't just have to watch hockey right hockey was the was the only sport that anybody really watched and it was weird at the same time because toronto was very much known as a blue and white kind of you know in, in terms of color scheme you know, you had the Blue Jays and then you had the Leafs and you even had the Argos who are all blue and white color based. And then out comes this outlier, this Toronto Raptors team. It's like you got this little Barney dinosaur that everybody's making fun of and it's purple <laughs> jersey. It's got this crazy font. So everything, yeah. it just felt like for me personally that it was part of my up, uh, like my upbringing in terms of being a Canadian or being Toronto is that we grew up at the same time because, oh. you know, we arrived in Toronto at the same time. Yeah, I never thought of that before of somebody because I, since I didn't grow up in Toronto, I I sort of followed the Raptors from from afar. So that's sort of an interesting perspective of how um, the Toronto team kind of um, affected a whole generation. And of course, with uh, with the championship last year, it's affecting a whole another generation. So um, how 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 did Michael Jordan and basketball in general affect your life, uh, Leonard? Oh man, basketball is easily my favorite sport. Like, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would be playing... It's Thursday. I'd be playing basketball tonight. Mm. Like, I play every Thursday night, and I've been playing, like, weekly for since I was 13. Mm. Uh, I love the game. Jordan was my... Like, when I grew up, I had a poster of Michael Jordan on my wall. Like, he was one of my heroes. Him and Michael Jackson and Bill Cosby. So, I don't know. I picked well. And... But yeah, man, he was huge for me, right? Like throughout the 90s, like I watched all those games, all those playoff games, all these games that we're watching on The Last Dance right now, I watched them all live. Oh, wow. I mean, not there. But like, like, man, like I remember this one night, uh, I was doing summer school uh, and I met this girl in my microbiology class and she was a huge Jordan fan too. She came over to watch one of the playoff games. It was the flu game. Mm. Uh, And anyways, we both watched the game. They won that game. It was amazing. We witnessed history together. We connect. Let's just say Jordan was the only one who was severely dehydrated that night. Uh, <laughs> that was like Michael Jordan's greatest assist, in my opinion. Mm. Like that's how much he. That's what he means. To me. <laughs> so the the interesting thing with Jordan is, of course, his reach has gone beyond just people who like basketball. Um, some people, a whole generation of people, know him probably more for his shoes. Then for his basketball, um, what are are you guys shoe collector fans? Um, let, let's go over over to Gina. Do you own a pair of Jordans? Have you do you play in Jordans? 
Okay, so growing up in Scarborough, everybody had to have Jordans, otherwise you're you're broke. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty much how it goes. But me, no, Being I actually have never. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> no, but for real though, I I don't own a single pair of Jordans. Never have, and I don't have any intentions to. I'm not gonna lie. Like I like the shoe. I look at them. They look cool. There's a bunch that I like, um, but I just don't have a desire to own a pair now. Wow, yeah, like I remember one of my first performance shoes were Jordans, but it was not so much Jordan himself, but my color scheme is generally um, red, white, and black, which um, Jordan <laughs> shoes really uh, make really pretty variations on those colors. So, um, but yeah, I've never really worn Jordan shoes. I remember there was, it's kind of funny because um, definitely a lot of the popular kids in, in school were wearing them. But then I, I just remember this one kid who wanted to be popular went out and bought some Jordans. And then um, people beat him up and stole his Jordans and then punched him and said, you're trying too hard, bitch. Um, so, uh, wow. I mean, that's what you get for trying. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, so it's <laughs> weird. It's like a status symbol, but if you haven't earned the status, it could also um, ruin your life. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so on on that note, um, Tim, did you have Jordan shoes? <laughs> I, I, being a Hong Kong person who had to go back from time to time, I own three pairs of Jordans, <laughs> fake Jordans. Wow. That was like, that was the thing. Jordan, Jordan with I a mean, G. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was. It, you might Jordans. as well call them Jordashes or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was Mordens, Jordans, whatever you could have. But it was the thing. It was. It was exactly the same thing. My parents thought there's no way that they're gonna, you know, spend 150 dollars on a pair of shoes. It's like, you know, you can get you can get the same pair of shoes for 15 dollars at at the street market, you know, and you can still get them. But yeah, it was. It was not something that you, you could really wear unless you were truly trying to flex i think at that age at that age in the 90s like when i was just a teenager if anybody wore air jordans it would be like okay you you clearly are flexing you know you're rich and you're the same type of person that at 16 you'd be driving an audi that your parents bought you outside that's kind of how it felt like with, with you know owning air wow. jordans wow i feel like you grew up in a very different neighborhood than yeah. me or gina did um <laughs> we, we did yeah probably <laughs> um, no but i do have a lot of stories of people robbing jordans like taking them off of people's feet it happens quite often that's why you got to yeah. be careful you know yeah how about how about you leonard i'm gonna make an assumption that you were a big sneakerhead i, I don't no. know why no, <laughs> no not not even a little actually oh uh, wow i went to a i went to a school where a private school where to wear uniforms so it didn't matter oh. we had to wear <laughs> specific shoes and jordans were not on the approved list so uh, i didn't have jordans i uh I forget what shoes I was wearing back in the day. They weren't Jordans when I was playing basketball. Now I wear Kobe's for the last like, um, I can't remember. I cannot remember what I was wearing. Oh. It might've been Reebok. I might Every not even like it. Yeah. I don't think Every it was even the, yeah. Yeah, Air Force. I don't think they were Air Forces. Yeah. I think I was just wearing whatever was comfy. But the Kobe's right now, those are my jam. Uh, you know what with the Kobe shoes? We'll talk a little bit about Kobe later on because he did uh, he did appear in this week's episode. But uh, the Kobe shoes, I actually came upon them because they've overtaken um, the traditional volleyball shoes and most of the men's American, like obviously, the, yeah, the men's um, U.S. team for the Olympics wear the Kobe shoes. So starting with the Kobe 11 elites, they're yeah. really good. That's why I bought Kobe's because I also play volleyball. So I was like, I want oh, shoes going to do both. 
I can't play volleyball in high tops. It's ridiculous. Ah, uh, yeah, it's 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 true. Yeah, I I really love the um that mesh net Kobe, Kobe eleven elites. Those were. Yeah. Really, I bought really a new great. pair literally like a month before. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> you know. So those are collectors, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> well, now let's now let's jump into some controversy. Um, because you know, we're talking about shoes and Michael Jordan, one of his most famous quotes ever is that uh Republicans buy shoes too. So the question goes, and we'll go straight back to Leonard on this one, but what do you think the role is of public figures, especially public figures on the level of Michael Jordan, um, to speak out for their community? And that's tricky, you know? Like, I think, I don't think there is a responsibility. I think it's a personal decision. And I, I don't think you should be ashamed for not doing it. Uh, like, the whole Republicans buy shoes thing, like, in the foreword of the Jordan rules, they redid it. And recently, and Stephen Smith said that, you know, that was, he was just trying to be funny. Like, it wasn't a political statement. And, like, Smith felt bad that it got hung on him as such. And um, I don't know. Like, it's just, you look at Jordan and he didn't want to get into trouble, you know. And then you look at LeBron, who's like the, op- he's like the anti-Jordan, where he just talks about anything. <laughs> yeah. Except when it came to Hong Kong and China, then he's like, oh, let's not get political. <laughs> you know, because what, <laughs> you know, but he's talking about, like, you know, Upon Arbery right now, the right? Money exactly. You know, it's one of these things that's making thirty-two million dollars in shoe sales. You know, so yeah, well, you, you know, you know, it's it's definitely interesting what, what you're saying. I feel like with Jordan, for me, it's not about particularly the quote itself, but he's kind of lived up to that quote for the mm-hmm. most part. So I feel like his yeah. actions have shown more than those actual words. It's just the words just encompass it all around. And, you know, I, I, I do think if somebody is not educated in the actual topic, um, that they, they, they shouldn't speak out if, if they don't feel educated about it. And I feel like that's actually where I really like LeBron. And I definitely don't want to make this into a LeBron versus Jordan thing. I feel like that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but I, I feel like the reason why I like LeBron and the reason why he got mad at GM Daryl Morey on speaking out against China was he was like, Okay, so you're in the U.S., you haven't spoken up about any tragedy ever in the U.S., including multiple things to black men, and now, out of all the times, the first time you're ever going to speak up about anything is in China while I'm there with my family and can't escape the country? You're going to shut down, like, this is, this is, like, if you're going to take a stand... Be educated. And LeBron was like, I ain't educated on this one. And I will say he did a similar thing when people asked him to speak out about a young black girl who got shot in um, in Ohio. And Mm. he basically said, "Um, I have not educated myself on that topic. um, And I, you know, I, I hear you but I'm not going to speak uneducated about it, so I'll speak about it later. So I sort of like his stance of mm-hmm. um, of that. Yeah, no, uh, he's not wrong. He's definitely, like, if you don't know about something, you shouldn't talk about it. I mean, that doesn't stop a lot of people, but, yeah, they should be more uh, a more common stance. Yeah, that being said, do I fully believe that there was no commercial pressure for his comments? No, I'm not that I mean, yeah. ridiculous. I mean, $6 billion uh, <laughs> shoe market in, in China. I think, and that's where all the shoes are made anyway. So yeah, he's got it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's let's go to to Gina. I feel like you've got very strong opinions about this. Yeah, um, I do. It's 
it's hard for me because I feel like as society, especially now, uh, 2020, everybody sort of wants their idols, celebrities to have a stance, take a stance and, you know, tell everybody their opinion and make it public. Um, and I can understand that, especially being somebody who consumes, you know, social media. Um, I do look at certain people and I want to hear their point of view and I want to hear from them. Um, so I understand it. But at, at the same time, I don't know if you're necessarily obligated to just because you have the platform to uh, use your voice for the community, especially if you're not educated. Mm. So mm. Uh, how about you, Tim? On the topic. I, I think... I also I agree with with the whole Jordan thing because it, he was you know popular in the '90s, right? This was before Twitter and all this social media. So what would have happened if if you know that was around, right? Would Jordan be saying more stuff or having more tweets about all these other things? And mm. I think that's where I think that's where uh, like LeBron gets a lot of flack because he does speak out so much like on social media and gets all this ESPN coverage whereas Jordan is basically saying listen I only want to do one thing I want to play basketball I want to win I want to win basketball I don't care about anything else and you know in that joke it's like oh Republicans buy shoes too it's like yeah I, I he just wants to make money by doing the best that he could do and I um, I honestly don't it's it's tough because you you do have to represent you know your community, but at the same time you're like, well, what if I just want to do? Why, why do I have to work so hard at basketball, training all these years, winning championships, just so I can help out a political thing that I may or may not be truly invested in? You know, I I think it, it's different because it's about how you've presented yourself publicly, and like obviously for me, like in comedy, my whole thing as official spokesperson for you know, gay super cute Asian. So for me, it's sort of built in that I want to be a spokesperson for um, the people I grew up with. So for me, that's sort of inherent in my entire brand message. Now, if you're sort of going out with the whole, you know, be like Mike, you know, sort of like your image is basically that you're mass market. So it's, it's sort of hard. I, I would say, you know, um, more to what you're saying, Tim, I wouldn't give him such a pass because um, he doesn't live in the current. Because for me, one of the big things that he wants to be known as is, you know, the greatest. And for me, the reason why I've always disqualified him, there's a few reasons. But the reason why I've disqualified him is to me, the greatest comes from Muhammad Ali. And for him, it wasn't just the sport he played, but what he did off the court. So for me, like Jordan could be the best, but to me, he's not the greatest. Because for me, actually, it's not just the, the Republican comment or the shoes. The thing that actually made me mad about Jordan is as soon as he became an owner... And if, if you take a look at, like, the union negotiations, like, I, and I get it, he's, he's you know, you know I, know, I know he's worth, like, two point something billion, but he's one of, like, the poorer of the owners, so he's really trying to protect his investment. But whenever the union is, like, the NBA Players, um, Players Association is having negotiations, and now that he's in the owner's position, he's sort of, like, throwing the players under the bus. He always takes such a hard line stance. So I just feel like he's a type where okay, I've made it now, so screw you. Um, and so it's sort of consistent with yeah. how he's, he's treated the Republican thing. He just wants to win. Yeah, yeah he's really always kind of is. said that he's selfish. He's a selfish guy, and I don't think he... I don't know if he would... You know, on and off the court, he was a selfish guy, and he, yeah. he kind of knew that, and he was like, you know what, I'm I'm <laughs> a dick, you know, but, you know, I get results. He's, he was that kind of guy, right? He's the type of guy that would probably get elected as president if he wasn't black today. You know, I'm just saying, like, that's that's how he was, you know? He was... He was you like, know there was a black president, right? Like, I think, I think, I don't no, like, as in, as in, like, he would, he would be... A, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they. I don't know if they were elected now. I think if Michael 
Jordan ran for president, you would have a pretty good chance. <laughs> like, that's probably, yeah, you know what? Yeah, 2020, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. No, I mean, this is the thing. Like, this is the reason why he's, uh, like, he is who he is as uh, as an owner, right? Because now he, like I said, he, he's competitive. He wants to win. And now he's just playing for a different team, right? Like, and, mm. I get it. He was insane. He was insanely competitive, which I completely understand. And he held himself to this crazy high standard. And so he held all his teammates to that high standard. That's why people were, like, mm. you know, had trouble dealing with him because people his standards were so high it's very difficult to meet those standards but i get it yeah you know, like it's it's funny that it's well known how um he kind of held people to a higher standard and so it was difficult working with him yeah. but so far in this documentary i haven't seen that they haven't really talked about how difficult it is working with him they kind of put him in a light where they're like oh you know it's so cool to be with this leader on my <laughs> team and it made me really pushed me to do well but they haven't really been like oh he was kind of insufferable at times well he's not gonna let that come out yeah. like he <laughs> the dude the reason this documentary didn't come out for 22 years is because he wouldn't let it so yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure it was like let's give it 22 years for everybody to calm down and not think of a dick and then we'll do this <laughs> he, by the way he waited until the Cavs won the championship to announce that he was gonna release this documentary he's like you know, LeBron, lebron won lebron won don't worry i'm gonna release this to espn <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. Somewhere Craig Elo is like, that mother... Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Jen! You did it again! Yeah. <laughs> should have got Ron Harper involved. Yeah, I just, <laughs> uh, just I, to close... should have been guarding him that game. <laughs> um, just to close out the this section about this particular quote, one thing I do want to say about the quote as well is, I... I it was a revelation to me that he admitted the quote because for 20 years he's been saying he never said that. So I think he owes that reporter an apology because he's been uh, attacking his credibility for 20 years and people have been attacking that reporter's credibility for 20 years. And, uh, you know, now he's trying to uh, to play it off. But anyhow. Okay, so, so you're saying he should be president then? Is that what you're saying? Is that- <laughs> hey, <laughs> <I> mean- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what one of the main um, topics in this week's episode was the Olympic Dream Team. Mm. And, you know, obviously the Dream Team um, had a huge impact worldwide. People say it was really the first time that basketball exploded in China. Um, and, you know, one of the members of the Dream Team, of course, was, well, not on that Dream Team, but in later Dream Teams was, was Kobe Bryant. I know this is a, a kind of an, an awkward <laughs> segue. roundabout way to So, you know, he was, he was, he was on, on, on this episode. And, you know, obviously earlier this year, Kobe Bryant died helicopter crash all that craziness what was it like for you because kobe holds a special place in the hearts of many um asians what was it like for you to sort of see him on screen kind of kind of unexpectedly it wasn't in the preview trailer for the episode or anything let's go over to uh leonard it was nice i like seeing him i like seeing him you know i like seeing hearing the other players talk about him um, you know, just his competitiveness, like the way he took the game and didn't let the game come to him, which is what everyone's like, oh, let the game come to you. That's not what Kobe did. And uh, yeah, Kobe was huge, man. Like Kobe, when I heard that Kobe died, it was like, it's one of those things I remember, you know, like when I found our princess die, it was dead. Same, it's like that was mm. the, the level uh, that that death um, had on me in the sports world, in the world in general. Like he was as big a star as Jordan. And so it was crazy. Yeah. And yeah. what was really sad was that his daughter died. Cause like he already had his first act, yeah. like his daughter never really got hers. So that's really, 
that's tragic. Uh, how about you, Gina? Um, for me, I still remember where I was when I found out that Kobe died. I was convinced that it was just some sort of BS, internet BS. Uh, and I remember just refreshing over and over again and Googling and nothing was out yet. I'm like, no, this has to be a lie. Somebody's making this up. Mm -hmm. And then eventually on Google, all the articles came out and it was actual like news sites reporting it. So I just remember being like, that's crazy. Like it can't be true. So for the longest time, it just didn't feel real. But then of course you see it on TV all the time. And I live in a ball house, let's just say, like <laughs> constant. If you just walk outside of this room, they're probably talking about ball right now. Like, mm -hmm. so it, it hit hard for sure. There were tears, grown men with tears in their eyes for sure. Mm -hmm. So over, yeah. over to you, Tim. Uh, well, I remember, well, I, I remember that I wasn't going to be like, uh, like thinking skeptical about it because I was watching, it was like the Pro Bowl. It was like during football and they announced it on TV because they were showing uh, it was like the all-star game for the for football for NFL and everybody was just like looking at the big screen and it was just all shocked and I was like this can't be a joke and then I just remember like oh this is so crazy things happen but then like you know I think for a lot of same as a lot of people the next couple of days was just like like video youtube videos that you would watch it was like tribute videos and how good was go and then i was just like crying for like two days and i'm like oh i gotta stop but this is like i want to i want to keep watching because i want to like you know remember what it was for all the great things and how talented it was the, the fact that he spoke all these languages like the only thing that he really wanted to do at the end was be a great dad you know that mm. was all those things just like brought out all these emotions right and it was just like mm. yeah it was very few celebrities i ever really cried for when they die and mm. kobe was one of the two people that I actually cried for when, when I first saw every died. And it's a complex thing, right? Because he's not a comp, he's a very, it's not a simple, you know, uh, situation because Kobe means very different things to people, you know, to yeah. different people, right? Like I posted a thing on Facebook about Kobe and some of the comments were like, well, I guess I have to delete you from Facebook now. Okay. <laughs> um, and I get it. Like, I'm not like certain people. I was like, yeah, if you don't agree with it, I'm not going to like, yeah. You know, you can have your, you can have your say and, and whatever, but like the people who are like attacking me over it, I was like, well, yeah. look, man, like I'm, you know, I'm allowed to grieve, <laughs> right? Like you can't yeah. be like, oh, just because you don't like him because he, I mean, obviously he wasn't perfect by any stretch, mm -hmm. but like, I'm still allowed to, yeah. to grieve. Like, I don't, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 He, was a, he, he was a household name and he's just like what Kobe means to you, you know, I think mm -hmm. also what hit hard was his daughter dying yeah. with him. I thought, um, that, that just really, it, it was just too much at that point. It's like, okay, not only is it Kobe, but it's also this 13 year old. Mm -hmm. And then not only is it that one 13 year old, it's other 13 year olds. Mm -hmm. It's just, it was, it was getting worse and worse by the hour. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just a lot to take in. Yeah. 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 Well, one interesting thing with this episode was the relationship with Kobe and Michael. I'm not sure people knew how much Michael mentored him and, Earlier on in Michael's career, he was known as very competitive and not really in the mentorship mood. <laughs> um, so it's kind of interesting because, you know, so we're, 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 we're all stand-up comedians, also known as a very cutthroat, competitive, competitive industry. Um, what, what are sort of, sort of your thoughts on, you know, Jordan early days, kind of cutthroat to kind of mellowing, mellowing out and what parallels do you see within the comedy community? I'll throw it over. I, I'll throw it over to Leonard first. Cause you're, you've been in uh, the comedy game uh, longer than the other guests. Um, I mean, yeah, there is that, but like, <sighs> one of the things I always say about comedy is 
Like if you want to succeed, you got to work hard. You got to be fun. You got to be nice. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Jordan wasn't always nice, you know, but the thing is he was good enough at the game that he could be an asshole sometimes. Like I'm not that good at comedy. I have to be nice. <laughs> so, you know, but I, I think I, I, you know, like I'm older and I think, I don't think this is just, you know, how long you've been doing it. I think it's how long you've been alive is part mm. of it, you know, because I started comedy late. Like I have never had a problem with helping other people if they need it. Mm. Like I would be happy. I'm happy to mentor people and, and like share knowledge and, and try to make, cause you know, we're all like, it's hard enough to try to make it on your own in this game. Right. Like, you, and it's the same thing in basketball, like Jordan from like an 84 to 91, he couldn't do anything until he got, his Pippin, his horse Grand, his cart. Like he, you need people around you. Nobody makes it alone. And it's mm. the same thing. It's still, even though it's an individual thing, it is still at the, it's still a team sport like comedy. Yeah. G- <laughs> Gina, how I, I love to hear your thoughts since you're, you're newer at comedy than, than say Leonard or I am. Do you, do you feel like it's still just as competitive? How do you feel you've been treated as a new comedian who's had quite quite a bit of success um, very early on. Certainly more so. I remember when I first started, I was doing open mics for like five years before I even got any type any type of show. And I remember the first show I saw you at was it was a pretty big show. Um, 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 just and I think that was like one of your one of your first times um, doing comedy. So yeah, you didn't have you around to put you on theater shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, that's. Yeah, That's you, exactly it. So uh, I do owe <laughs> some of that to you, Vaughn. Like, thanks for putting me on. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I will say it, it, it wasn't just me because you you had been on um, on um, on uh, the new normal show, which is also a you know, and that show was packed. So pretty yeah, much, you've started off. It literally, it probably took me five years to get onto a stage like that. So, how have you felt yeah. like you've been treated with this early success? Um, I've been treated well, pretty well. I can't complain at all. Like you said, I started off with the new normal show, um, which was awesome. I basically just sent out an email and said, Hey, I've been writing for a long time. I'd love it if you could give me the opportunity. And I got the opportunity. Mm. Um, and I took it from there based off of that one show. I kept getting booked on other shows like yes, queen and a bunch of different shows. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I've only went to an open mic once. Um, and it was kind of to support somebody, and then I was like, I'm here, I may as well. <laughs> <You know>? I, <laughs> I think Leonard's about to pass out. Leonard, do you have thoughts? Know, is, do you have thoughts it's too much on of that? a brag, right? It's too much of a brag. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there, but back to Michael. I just feel like <laughs> there were uh comedy championships and I went six times and won six times, I might be a dick too. You know what I mean? Like I just think at that point it's like mm, like maybe you're allowed to be a dick i've won some big comedy championships i, I can't I'm, i can't be a dick yeah comedy brawl champ absolute comedy what, what what's the absolute comedy one so you think you're funny oh god prove you're a comic oh yeah there you go that's uh, a very upsetting title <laughs> yeah, it's like prove that you should you need to be here yeah i was like but by the way i told my parents turns out they were not 
happy that I had proved that I was a comic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, where's prove you're a doctor? Was that? Oh. You know, actually, um, you know, se- segueing from that, hopefully this one is a smoother segue, but talking about parents and comedy, um, Tim, I met your family for the first time at the January <laughs> show at the CBC. And oh. I, I remember you saying you were kind of nervous and, you know, you, you had quit your job and you're doing this full time. Like, how... How how did that go over? Um, and what's the relationship now of what your family thinks about your career? Well, I, I, they they definitely don't. It's still not agreeable, right? Anything that doesn't have a constant stream of money is not an acceptable kind of lifestyle for any Asian child. Not even just Chinese. Like I don't think like you know having not ha- having a consistent income really kills it. But I think the first time that I ever told my my parents. My mom said to me this one thing. She said, she looks, she's turned. I said, I want to be, I want to quit my job. I want to do comedy full time. This is what I really want to do. She turns around, she looks at me, she goes, um, You know that comedians have to write their own jokes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and literally, a year later, the movie Joker comes out, and that's the exact same joke. And I'm like, "Am I supposed to kill my mom?" Is that? Is that is I was so scared. I was, when I heard that, when I heard that, I was like, "Uh oh, this is not good." You're supposed to kill Batman's mom. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just gotta kill Martha. All the Marthas. But no, yeah. my my parents. Yeah, my my parents were. I I was personally nervous on on that January show because it was the first time they had ever seen me do comedy. It was, mm. I think it was the same for for Leonard too, right? For his for his uh, family, and you know <laughs> they said the same. It's just just ridiculous thing. But I was just scared because I was have to talk talk about a lot of personal things, but mainly the fact that you know I was I was a stoner or like you know all that stuff. That was like a huge thing that was really scary because my grandmother came too, and she ooh, was she ooh. didn't speak any English, but she oh, just oh. she just sat there. She just sat there and just <laughs> what like a blessing. Oh, that yeah, I know. <laughs> No, it's like I know. I just said I just said the word "come" in front of my grandmother. Um, oh my goodness! It's okay. I'm, I'm, she's not gonna know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> oh, so. she knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> she's been around. Oh, yeah, grandma's knows. been around. Yeah, grandma's got a couple. I mean, of kids. She's, she she's been catching fingers for like decades. Oh man! Yeah, so just just going back over to to you, Leonard. How was how was that experience? <laughs> Uh, I mean, first of all, Tim, what your Asian parents not happy about not you not having a consistent source of income as an Asian comedian, not happy about it either. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was also my parents' first time ever seeing me do comedy live, and it had been years, <laughs> years. And uh, so that was the first time, uh, and they came, and I same thing as as you. I was talking about marijuana. I was t- I, I don't think I said come. Uh, but <laughs> I may have implied it. Uh, I, but I had like a seven minute long dick joke. I opened with a dick joke. I close on a seven minute dick joke. I said penis a lot. And uh, because I, we were trying, I was trying to keep it clean. So I didn't want to say dick. And then so I just kept saying penis, which sounds way worse, actually. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> and, and then after the show, my dad came up to me and he was, he was just like, he gave me a hug, which super weird. Uh, and then he whispered in my ear, he said, too much penis. <laughs> so there is always, such thing yeah, as too much penis. Yeah, you're like, you're like, I've never seen an Asian person say that to me. Before. I have always wanted to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <My> dad. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, thanks, Dad, for, for telling yeah. me there's too much penis. <laughs> first uh, time, first time I've heard those words. First time I've ever heard those words in my life. Uh, from my, yeah, and I got them from my dad. Uh, oh wow. Well. <laughs> just to um, just to bring it back to basketball and wrap it up um let's uh, have our last question 
question be about basketball and Asians, and particularly basketballs who basketballs who play Asian. No, Asians who play <laughs> basketball, and um, particularly Yao Ming and Jeremy Lin, and if they had much of an impact on you, did you look up to them as heroes? Um, maybe let's go. Let's go to Gina first to see if uh, non-Chinese Asians um, looked <laughs> up to uh, Yao Ming and Jeremy Lin the same way the rest of uh, the Chinese Asians did. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. No, he wasn't my hero. But like, yeah, everybody knows Yao Ming and yeah, Jeremy Lin. Um, but yeah, no, I wouldn't call the either of them my heroes. But definitely uh, watched the games. Like everybody knows Yao Ming. He was huge, so that was like a big deal. I remember working with this guy who was huge, and I was like, oh my god, you're like Yao Ming, and then his nickname was Yao Ming. Um, oh, that's pretty no. much. <laughs> that was pretty much it when it comes to Yao Ming. Jeremy Lin, um, I liked like when obviously when we were watching the Raptors win. Mm -hmm every game and then at the you know the couple a few minutes left and they throw jeremy lin in i'm like okay this is bomb and everybody would like stand up and be like whoa and we were like in <laughs> in the theaters watching the games because it was free and that's what we oh. do in scarborough <laughs> congregate in the free areas um no we all stood up and it was all all chinese people you know mm. like the non-South Asians standing and screaming. And then we got in on it too. We're like, yeah, okay, we want to scream with you guys. So it was a lot of fun. That's that's my take on that. Cool. Let's go over to Leonard and not just uh, Yao Ming and Jeremy Lin, but I think also you can touch on the 2008 um, Olympic Games with uh, basketball there since uh, Yao Ming was a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and also, by the way, we always forget about Yu Jian Lan and Wang Jiji. Also, two NBA players yeah, were yeah. Chinese. Number number seven <laughs> draft pick. I remember him. That's right. New Jersey Nets. That's right. Dallas Mavericks and uh, <laughs> I think the Rockets. I want to say, uh, but yeah, man. Like so, Jeremy Lin for all was huge for me, just because it was like the first time. Like like I said, basketball is my favorite sport. Like I mm. played obsessively when I was younger. I could dunk. Greg. Oh uh, <laughs> <I know>. wow! Please. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, like just watching somebody who looks like me be able to excel in the NBA. Cause it's not like I look at Yao Ming. I'm like, yeah, that dude, he's a different species. Like he doesn't look like me. <laughs> he's like eight <laughs> yeah. feet tall. Like, I mean, he was specifically bred to be a basketball player by the Chinese government. So <laughs> not even kidding. They took like the tallest people and just like, make me a player. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but then Jeremy Lin, like, I mean, the, the dude's still like six, six or whatever. So he's not me, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, it was closer and, uh, and uh, like he played the way I played. Like it was just, mm. it was awesome to see. It just, it felt, I mean, it was just like, it was just nice to be represented. Those crazy rich Asians, same feeling, right? Mm. Saw that movie. Nothing special, but it's not like he's playing. Like, they did anything different. It's a rom-com, but it had Asian faces. And I'm like, damn, that's important. Mm. You know, so like, that's what that that's what that meant to me. And and that everybody was so so excited about it. Mm. You know, like that was that was cool. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, over over to you, Tim, to to close this out. What are what was your feelings about um, Asian basketball players and uh, the Olympics coming to China with basketball being a huge part of those games? Yeah, I think uh, pretty similar to to Leonard because it was yeah when Yao Ming came, obviously it was a huge thing. 
um Chinese people are like oh there's a Chinese basketball player but you're also like well I'm never gonna be like this person like when I when I first started watching basketball and be started being in love with basketball it was almost like watching porn because these are people that I'll never be it was like watching and you know so what I mean it was, guys. It, yeah it was it was a fantasy world you know it was like it was like you know you could be like Mike or you could be like Kobe you could you could never be like Kobe or Mike but at the same time like Yao Ming was it was like okay it's a different beast yeah same thing so when Jeremy Lin came out it was like oh this is like he's kind of like even though he is pretty big and he's really athletic he was he looked like a normal a North American Asian person, right? Like you spoke perfect English, you talk about Jesus a lot and all these things. So you're like, okay, I kind of, this is kind of like me. But like when I was growing up, I just like, I like Shaq because I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be like Shaq. I just like Shaq because I was like, oh, this is, this is what I aspire to, you know, or like, this is what my fantasy will be. And that would be <laughs> so, this to me. So Tim, to you, watching Jeremy Lin play basketball was the same as no. like if you saw it's like, well, uh, an Asian guy in a gangbang. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm like, I don't need, I don't need no Bukaki videos. Okay, that's not important for me. Like, I don't need those. Like, like it's an escape for me. Yeah, I do. So you know, I, I do Bukaki with a fadeaway. <laughs> <laughs> you knew Jordan could do it. You knew Jordan could do it. Like, shake, shake, like, boom, fadeaway. <laughs> He, he must have gotten all these people pregnant. <laughs> that's how he would have done it. Oh, but back yeah, that's, in the that's day. That's what it was. Back in the day. I'm pretty sure Jordan would have, he probably would have been like the Tiger Woods of his era if the reporting was the way it was today from what people say about his uh, off the court stuff. Ah. But yeah, that's so, what you mean by Tiger Woods. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would, I would say he, he was definitely more protected than people are, and they probably would have tore him down the way they tore down Tiger if he was, because he yeah. was he was pretty scandalous actually, and they just he all hit all those. He gambled. Stories. He wasn't like hooking up with waitresses from Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, you know what? I hadn't had that um, angle on this episode, but speaking of gambling um let's let's get into ju just this one final topic because you know um not to be stereotypical but when people think of gambling in ontario they think of a busload of asians uh, <laughs> so uh what did um what how did you guys feel about him um sort of downplaying the gambling angle um, because it was a huge news story back then. There's been rumors that gambling is even what forced him out of the league. Unsubstantiated rumors, um, which I feel like they're going to get into in the next episode when they actually talk about his time away from the league. But um, in, in, in general, how, how did you feel about um, how the documentary handled his gambling, uh, Leonard? I mean... I like to gamble too. So I don't I just, like, I just, I, it makes sense to me. I, I'm not gambling $57,000. Like, like I'm just going to, you know, uh, but I mean, but that's a relative net worth thing, right? Like 57 grand to him is like a thousand bucks. Like I'll, I'll gamble with a thousand bucks. Like that's fine. Mm. But like 57 grand, that's insane. Right. Uh, so yeah. So I think, you know, like if you are gambling within your means and it's fun for you and you can afford to do it, then do it. But if, mm. Obviously, you know, like if you're gambling way beyond what you ought to be gambling, then, then that's a problem, you know? Mm. So, but that's what he said. He was like, it's not a problem. It's not like he's losing his house. It's not like he's, I mean, I saw, you know, you see the interview, like where he's being interviewed. I was like, that's a pretty nice house. <laughs> like, you could fit my house in his living room. Like that's how big his house is. Like I'm not <laughs> even kidding. Like that's how big his house, house is. 
<laughs> no, that's probably the pool house. You know? <laughs> so he's fine. I, if he wants to gamble, you can gamble. I am gambling with him, but he can gamble. Yeah, no, I would never gamble with him either. The fact that 10K to him is $10 for me. I don't know. Imagine if 10K was like $10 for regular people. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> the economy would collapse, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, okay, great. So um, I think that's the end of our topics. I just want to uh, give our listeners a chance to find out um, how to find you, what, what your next projects are um, coming up, and how they would find you after this on social media or on your website. Let's go over to Tim. Uh, well, I'm currently, I'm actually working on a, a book that is part of my, my time on the cruise ships. So it's a little bit of a novella. It's not going to be like all real like real things that happen but it'll, it'll have replacement names but um i'm working on that uh but you can follow me on instagram and twitter at uh this is at this is tim wong uh that's where i'll post all my all my stuff and uh once somebody teaches me how to do a tiktok then i'll be on tiktok as well <laughs> somebody <laughs> i am i am i are we are, are we too old for tiktok i don't know oh like i, I don't know where i should be but. <laughs> if you're asking if you're too old for tiktok then i am old. too old yeah I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay no sound of my impending death. <laughs> <laughs> just counting down till I die. Oh, uh, okay, over over to you, Gina. What what exciting projects do you have coming up? And how... I have no exciting projects to announce. Um, but you can definitely <laughs> follow me on Instagram at Gina Siva, and then I'll probably post it there before you hear it anywhere else. So okay, great. I, I will I will rep for Gina. Her um her next exciting project is keeping Canadians alive because she is on the front lines of oh, fighting the pandemic. Yeah. She's a nurse. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> we're gonna um, I'm going to Animal cross, Animal Crossing clap you. It feels weird doing your job and then having people be like, oh, you know, you're doing your job. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, man, take applause breaks wherever you can get them. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember, you're essential. You are, you are literally essential. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy is very much not. No, not at all. <laughs> um, and now let's, uh, let's finish off with uh, Leonard. Um, yeah, so my website is uh, www.theleonardchan.com. Uh, so the the is important. Otherwise, you get some CEO from Hong Kong who's way more successful than I am. Uh, Instagram <laughs> and Twitter is at theleonardchan. Uh, uh, my album is out. Uh, mm. That's Peanut Butter and Jellyfish. It's on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Music. And uh, upcoming stuff, I'm basically trying to figure out how to evolve the art of stand-up so that it fits this new medium of the internet or my career is over. So that's <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> very excited, very excited. Um, just for, for listeners, Leonard is, you know, even beyond stand-up, he's just an incredible writer. He's got a lot of uh, writing credits on TV, theater, stuff like that. So it, it'll be, I'm, I'm definitely a huge fan and also looking forward to seeing what he has in store as far as the future of comedy. So definitely follow him and follow Gina and follow Tim. And uh, my next project is tomorrow's episode. So come back and watch <laughs> nice. and watch that. The topic is the Netflix um, trending movie, the number nine trending movie right now, starring an Asian. Um, 
the oh my god what is the half of it the other half of it half of it something about half of it um, so uh if, you better figure this out before tomorrow <laughs> cool so if, if you want to know what we're talking about go on netflix and watch it before our next episode so you'll understand what we're talking about and of course we'll continue our month-long discussion on asian heritage uh thanks again for listening in and see you tomorrow bye bye